0: This episode is sponsored by SaneBox, helping you reach your goal of inbox zero and decluttering both your email and your life. Visit sanebox.com slash investlikeaboss and clean up your inbox today. We'll tell you more about the benefits of SaneBox during the break. Enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm Sam Marks. And I'm Johnny FD. We're self-made entrepreneurs who invest our own money and use modern technology to invest like a boss. Join us each week for exclusive interviews with
1: our network of modern investors, business owners, and multimillionaires to discover new ways to invest our hard-earned cash.
0: Hey guys, it's Johnny and welcome to episode 47 of Invest Like a Boss. I'm here with Sam Marks.
1: Hey Johnny. Hey bosses. I'm ready for another hustler story. Johnny, are you?
0: I'm really excited to hear Bryce's story because I... Briefly met the guy, you know, we hung out a few times in Chiang Mai, and I've been watching his Facebook feed and he's been crushing it since see him drive around Maserati's and just kind of (laughs) living it up. So I've seen how much he's leveled up even since then. So I'm really excited to start at zero and see how he even got started from there, what he's been investing in, and how he's gotten to where he is today.
1: Yeah, man. Good way to put it. Leveling up. And Bryce is also a great guy. Good values, good ethics, good morals. So he definitely deserves to do well. I'm always rooting for him to continue to, like his company is called, crush it. Well, his company is called Crush and Crush Empires. But he's definitely been crushing it. I think this episode is going to be awesome for so many people because it's a very practical approach to doing it yourself. Just like you, Johnny, and like your story and your 300 time, uh, 300 x uh episode that we did awesome and practical steps in that anyone can really do and achieve if they really put their mind to it and go after it Bryce's similar story has continued to level up reinvested himself and you know he started as a lot of people do out of college with a degree pretty safe job and just decided it gonna uh, gonna risk it all and my own.
0: Yeah, definitely. So if you guys enjoyed episode twenty three that was called Zero to Self Made How to Three Hundred X Your Investment, this is gonna be another type of one of those um these stories, but but Bryce is killing it way more than I am. So really excited <laughs> well, to hear from him, you know, uh and how he's how he did it.
1: Well dude, you're killing it. Don't sell yourself short. But yeah, in this episode you're going to hear Kind of zero to a thousand, that that you know traditional gutting hard startup story, a thousand to thirty thousand. Now he's well over clearing six figures every single month. So this is pretty inspiring and motivating stuff.
0: Yeah, definitely. So for everyone who's you know, been, uh, leaving comments either in the boss lounge or, you know, these amazing five star reviews on the iTunes store saying, man, I'm really pumped up and excited, uh, to invest now, but I don't have a income generating business. So I don't have that much extra money to invest or I never, you know, sold a company and had a big windfall. Um. So I'm still excited, but you know, I, I kind of wish I didn't just have like a normal job, um, where I was just able to put in a little bit of money every month. This is the type of story that may inspire you. So, without further ado, let's bring in Bryce Leo. Hey, bosses, I have a question for you. How many emails do you have in your inbox right now? Hundreds, thousands? It doesn't matter if they're read or unread. If they're in your box, it's cluttering your mind, life, and preventing you from the folks you need to plan for your financial future. Sanebox helps you achieve Inbox Zero by transforming insane amounts of messages into something that actually makes sense. Aside from removing all the junk so you can focus on messages that actually matter, there is a great feature called Sane Black Hole. Just move an email into that folder and you will never hear from that sender again. But my favorite feature has to be Sane No Reply, which shows you all the sent mail that you're still waiting for a reply on to follow up. Visit SaneBox.com slash InvestLikeABoss today and get $25 in free credit and a two-week trial.
1: kick it off right. That's right. Bryce, welcome to the show. And uh, I have wine in my glass, so I'm not going to be able to at least have any of that champagne yet. (laughs) But I will toast you, my brother. Cheers. Right. Well, we're sitting here at the Crush Empire, the new office, amazing new office. How does it feel to... I mean, I've seen you go through the transgression of obviously building a really successful business, but then also... Lots of different offices from your little uh, condo in Thailand, kind of a home office. Oh yeah! Into a lot of new places, and finally this, which you just got finished building out. How's that? How's it feel to be into a nice new workspace? Oh, it's, it feels awesome. I feel like I can breathe, and I, I feel at home, and definitely ready to like hit the ground running now. Yeah.
2: So yeah, started out in like a little. Little condo in Bangkok, and then um, moved into a medium-sized condo in Bangkok, mm-hmm. and then up to Chiang Mai. Lots of co-working
1: stations. We worked together at a lot of co-working stations up in Chiang Mai. Yeah, actually, I forgot about that. We uh, we used to do the night shift at Pun Space. Oh yeah, and they had beer in the fridge. We'd go there because it was so busy in the day, right? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was cool. And so, and then you got back here. What was your what was the office situation back here? Yeah, there? And so I mean, I, I lived in downtown San Diego for a year, and I
2: actually just worked from home. Um, and I thought it was good at the time, but, uh, looking back, it's, I, I realize there's a lot of value in having some sort of work life, like balance as mm-hmm. far as separation. So it was just nonstop, just all day. Um, so probably not the best situation. And then moved to La Jolla and, and got an office, um, and just an executive office. So kind of moving up the ladder yeah. and started hiring employees. And we ended up getting like five offices all next to each other down the hall, but no one can communicate because mm-hmm. it's hard to do, you know, when you're in separate rooms. Yeah. Uh, and so finally we got this, this awesome place and it's, uh, at the ping pong table. you just kicked my butt at and, uh, you know, lots of fun stuff and the employees are like f- super, super happy and yeah. uh, really productive now too. So, so I watched
1: the build out of this on Facebook. <laughs> it's been really cool to see. And I love, uh, I love the interior. I think your sister decorated it, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Talented family. And how much did it cost to build this out? I probably put, I
2: think like 90,000 so far. Mm-hmm. It'll probably end up close to a hundred. Um, I'm not, uh, I haven't done the books on it quite yeah. yet, but um, you know, a lot of the, 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 structure inside was already done. So I, you know, about 50 K was probably 10 improvements and fifties, probably furniture and yeah. stuff, but it's uh totally worth it. It's like, that's something that, I like to invest in because I'm stoked every day I get to work now. Yeah, I I already was. I mean, I like working, but this is just like, I'm cool working till midnight, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, uh, it's just conducive to just
1: wanting to hustle. I think that's such a smart move to do that. And it's a really scary move because it feels like it's just like a sunk cost that you haven't anticipated or you haven't had experienced before. And I know when we built, we built out a, an office pretty similar to this in Scotland and I was totally against it. Cause we had been working in these little like holes for, you know, multiple years. And I was like, I just couldn't see the, the beauty and or, or the benefit in that type of expense. Once we did it and we saw the team atmosphere there every single day going into work, it was a totally different place to work. And we had a totally different output from our employees. So it's, uh, I think you, you made a really good move and it's, it's a long-term move, but it goes in line with your business strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So man, the reason I really wanted to have you on this show is because i've had the opportunity to kind of watch your i wouldn't even call it a career but your you know your business and your profession peak over the last not peak but continue to grow over the last 6 years consecutively in a really awesome trajectory and you've been doing things that the average person doesn't do because you get to a point where you feel like your growth has has kind of peaked in a sense. And then you figure out a way to get to the next level. And I think it's a really inspiring story for so many people to, you know, to, to basically witness and, and, uh, see it the way that I've seen it. So first off, congratulations on everything you're doing. I think this is awesome. I just got up to see your new office and, um, man, let's take it back to where we met and, (laughs) and where you were with, when we met, that was a really interesting time. It was. DCBKK in Bangkok. Yeah, about four years ago. Um,
2: you were hustling with the sky SkySig stuff. Uh, you were like, you know, doing crazy re- revenue but like zero profit. You were living in China and uh, I was just getting started on my – I had one little affiliate site just living in like some little condo, barely making enough to like pay my – Mm-hmm. You know, pad Thai fees and,
1: you know, <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, things have really changed for both of us a lot. Yeah. So back then, that was, what, do you, what year would what you think that was? 2000, I want to say 2011. It was 2012. 2012. We were in Bangkok. So anyone who doesn't, isn't familiar with DC BKK, it's a, it's a, I want to say it's a private business network. It's a community based business network that you have to apply for. Uh, I think the restriction is basically you have to have a an online business, and it it used to be a little bit more strict, but now it's a little bit easier to get into. So check it out. But they do an annual conference each year in Bangkok, and I'm curious how you ended up getting there because for me it was I was spending so much time in China, and I was like, dude, I'm all over here by myself. Like this sucks, and I'm dying to meet some some other you know young professionals on the road. And I found that conference, went to it, and it was like a gold mine.
2: Yeah. So like. Actually, when I... You know, when I moved out to to Bangkok, um, it was on my, my radar is like one of the first things I wanted to do because I, same thing as like, I didn't speak Thai at the time and I didn't really know anybody. I knew one person in the whole city mm-hmm. and he was always working. And so it was like, I needed that kind of same network. Um, uh, and I, I sat next to you and you had this big old box of like sky city <laughs> you were passing out self promoting <laughs> and, uh, and then you're like, Oh yeah, I'm speaking next. And you got up and just like crushed your speech. I was like, Oh, this guy's actually like doing big things. Um, uh, so yeah, and then we ended up going to Bali after that. Oh yeah, yeah. Traveling Europe and doing all this crazy stuff that was a lot of fun.
1: I think we actually went st- directly after DCBKK to Shang Mai. Uh yeah. And we stayed. We stayed. Did. Did we stay at, you stayed at the Blaze. Uh, I don't know the name, uh, okay. but yeah, yeah. I think we went up there and then down to Bali. And so you were already living in Bangkok at the time. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, no, I
2: mean, I, yeah, when that conference happened, I'd lived there for like two months, I think.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So you know, I. I I mean, kind of backing up for the story, I guess is, uh, I got my CPA license. I was an accountant, um, after about a year and a half. Um, I I mean, it's clear path. I was not fitting in.
1: Um, and so basically, am I jumping ahead here? No, 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 go for it. Okay. No, this is perfect. I I, know I wanted to get back to the, the CPA story because I think for so many listeners, you know, right now we're, we're living in, an age where companies like Snapchat are having $70 billion valuations with no revenue and no prospects of making revenue and like all these crazy companies. And it seems like the easiest way to get rich is to build one of these crazy companies, but this, it's so unpractical, right? right? And I think with the steps that you did and the position you were in when you made the decision to start your own business is a very practical thing that anyone can do. Uh And you are CPA, not like that many other people out in outside of college, right? You go and you become a CPA or whatever. So you're a CPA, good job. Yeah, good I,
2: played, I played the safe bet, mm-hmm. and I was working my ass off and outperforming everybody, and getting paid less than most people because mm-hmm. I was, you know, younger. And it was just like clear that it was not going to work out. Um, and so right after I got my CPA license, I was like, I wish there was a website full of all the information I, I would have. Somebody told me before I started, it would have helped so much. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, maybe I can make a website. And then I figured out about affiliate marketing—you can actually monetize that and sell products and get a commission for it. Um, so you know, within three months, it took me about three months to get my first sale. I had—I just dove in, you know, uh, every night after work mm-hmm. and just stayed up until morning sometimes, just learning how to WordPress development, SEO, marketing, um, and uh, yeah. So that site was making about a thousand bucks a month uh, when I no less than that when I quit my job. Um, so I quit my job three months after I got my CPA license and people are looking at me like, you just like put in a year worth of study to get here. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, but it's, it's, it's not that, it, it's not for me.
1: Yeah. Um, and so you could have been good at it, but you just weren't cool with that, that profession and the amount of money you're making and how much, how hard you're working. Yeah. I, I peaked on like
2: education too. So I, I love learning and, um, I, it was actually a great job because I got to experience like multiple businesses and in different industries and do their books. So I mean, it's, 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 it's been awesome, like, to have that experience, yeah. but I hit the peak where I was just like, I just became a bookkeeper. I just might as well be a robot. Yeah. Um, and so, um, I wanted to learn how to computer code and, you know, it, it got, it's kind of like the same mindset. I feel like it's, uh, I'm into numbers and mm-hmm. analyzing data and programming is like this whole new world. And it was way more fun. I just couldn't get way, way to get home as like a little kid again yeah. to, you know, work on my website. Um, and so I realized I could live in Bangkok for a thousand bucks a month. Um, and that's pretty much one of the only places in the world that I could do that and have like access to like good internet, mm-hmm. wifi, and I had a couple of good recommendations. So, um, yeah, I, I picked up and quit my job and moved out there like three or four months afterwards. And, uh, my, my motivation was if this doesn't work out, I have to go back to my accounting cubicle, my head down and be just another pencil pusher. Mm-hmm. So I was really driven and, uh, super hungry. So when you decided to quit, you had already started affiliate stuff yeah i think that's important for anybody it's like don't ever quit your job unless you got a plan and you put in work for something Mm -hmm. right and i think i see that all the time and now it's like oh well i got inspired and i quit my job but then then like and then this other thing didn't work out and then you know i hear it all the time but it's i think that was a really good thing for me because i had a you know a plan in place i had enough runway to live there for a year if i made no money Mm -hmm. um and so i i knew if If I put all my energy
1: into it, I could definitely grow it. I think one of the other really important things that you did that a lot of people overlook is you didn't pick the sexiest niche in the world, right? Right. (laughs) You're picking affiliates, basically affiliate offers for educational products. Right. And even a smaller niche in that is in accounting. Um and I think some people overthink when they're trying to do their own thing. Like they got to do a mega trend. They got to do right. diet pills or, or, or something that is super, like a super hot product. But you picked a relatively small niche. And the good thing with doing that in a sense is you probably are the most smartest person going after that niche, right? I mean, the, the, some of the smartest minds in the world are going after the biggest niches and the biggest, the biggest right. markets in the world. So you going into that market, you know, with your skills and your talent and your drive. You know? Yeah,
2: unquote. I mean, I was going, my competitors were other accountants. Right. Uh, yeah. And like, I knew like, if I put in the work, like, I could build a better looking website and I could write better sales copy. And like, mm-hmm. I, I had a really low bar of competition. So, yeah, I mean, the riches is in the niches. That's, that's
1: yeah, what you yeah. say. How uh, do you remember the first day that you made a dollar online? Absolutely. Um,
2: So, like, I didn't know anything about SEO or getting traffic to the site. So, like, I built it, put up a lot of good content. It looked like shit, but it was like, it was up and, like, nobody was coming. So, I got all this, uh, CPA exam societies for every school in the United States. I think university, there's like 800 email addresses. And I got the Beta Alpha Psi president and secretary and treasurer for that. It's public information. So I basically went to each of their websites, copy and pasted the emails, copy and pasted the same template mm-hmm. to them with a little brochure with a link to my site on it. And it was basically like, look, I created this site to help people like me. I you know there's a lot of good stuff on here. Uh, check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um. You know, I stayed up all night after work one day. It was like, I remember like I was late for work that day because I was still sending out emails and I sent out 800 emails, like just copy and pasting. Yeah. And I came home from work and there was one sale and I was like, I just got to be broken. Like, <laughs> and it was for, I believe it was for like $180 commission. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like, I sold this huge course. And um that was more money than I made that full day at work doing that job. Nice. And so, I was like, holy shit, like... This is a real thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I was like, oh, I can't just keep copying and pasting huge email lists. Like, it's super inefficient. Um, but at that point, I knew it was, you know, it was the real deal. I'm like, there's nothing like your first sale, right? Yeah. Even in new businesses now, it's like that first sale is it's validation. It's like you're a little kid
1: again. I'm in businesses that we haven't even had our first sale. <laughs> yeah, so, so That's uh, yeah, a, a long way. So, how did you... How did you even find out about what affiliate marketing was and how you could get your first opportunity, like your first offer, right? Your first affiliate offer. How did you, how did you find that, and how did you, how did you get it set up? Uh,
2: so I had the idea, like I want to build a website to help CPA exam
1: candidates, mm-hmm. but
2: uh, I was like, there's got to be a way to monetize. It. I've seen, ads, I saw the ads. I was like, I knew they get like two cents a click, and I was like, that's just not quite enough because it's such a small niche. Mm-hmm. And then I started doing research about partnerships i think i was googling like partnerships for all these companies that had products in that space Mm -hmm. and um affiliate marketing kept popping up and i never heard the term i knew nothing about computers too by the way when i started like when i set up my first website like i had zero background i wasn't terrible at technical stuff Mm -hmm. um and so you know I, i all this was just new stuff and so i found affiliate marketing and some of these companies had programs where you just put a link on your site and if you know, someone clicks it and they end up buying, you get a, a digital salesperson. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. It's like you're sending them sales. They should give you a commission. But this way I can make money while I sleep. Right. You know, I didn't have to go pounding on doors or anything. And so, uh, I, it just sounded like too good to be true. And then, it, you know, after that first sale, I
1: knew it was actually legit. Nice. So, what was the decision when you, I guess two questions, but same same goal is uh, how did you move to Bangkok? And how did you get from? You said when you got to Bangkok, you're basically making a thousand dollars online a month. Mm-hmm. How did you get from that first sale to a thousand dollars a month?
2: Um, a lot of it was going into forums, mm-hmm. leaving valuable like comments on people's questions, and then dropping a link. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much all of it in the early days because I knew nothing about SEO or I didn't do any paid traffic until you know about a year ago even.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and so. Uh, that was the only way I knew. Mm-hmm. And it, it worked like incrementally. So if I could get five sales a month, I knew uh, I could live in Bangkok. Yeah. And so I was like, that's, it's like almost one a week. I could
1: totally do that. And how did you know about Bangkok? Like, how did that pop up yourself? Um,
2: I had a, I have one friend who's really well traveled, like, like yourself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he said if he could live anywhere in the world, he'd live in Thailand. And that's why he lived there. And so he was the only person I know when I moved out
1: there. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, Kyle Rosas, if okay. you're listening. What up, man? Up. Um, and I think it's really cool that like you ended up getting in, out to Bangkok and we did Johnny's uh kind of call these stories zero to one. Like how'd you get from not making any money online to getting to at least to a level where you can afford to survive. But when you're in living in the West, as so many listeners are, it's really hard to picture how to go from zero to covering your living expenses. Because when you're living, let's just say in the US, I mean, it's going to cost you at least probably, you know, three to $4,000 minimum, unless you're sleeping on somebody's couch, right? But once you've been to some cheaper places in the world, South America, Southeast Asia, and you realize, wow, I can actually live a really nice life on, I mean, Johnny was doing it for $550 a month, right? I mean, I mean that's, that's tough, tough, right? I, mean, I thought 1500
2: was like, yeah. That's, I, I mean, that I, I was like the best of the best, the nicest condo, yeah. the best
1: food. Yeah. yeah. And once you realize like, okay, worst case scenario, I can, I can still survive off a thousand dollars and have a pretty nice lifestyle. I mean, that, that's not <laughs> optimal, but you can. I think it really changes your, your view on risk taking. Absolutely. And that, you know, you, you, you can, okay, you can live off a thousand dollars without living at your parents couch or having to do something that might be like sort of embarrassing. Um, so it's really cool that you ended up in Bangkok. And so when when we met at DCBKK, was that pretty much like the level that you were at?
2: Yeah. That's, I mean, I was probably doing maybe 1500, 2000 probably at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, I, one other thing like I I didn't mention was I, I took on one accounting client from the U S with me as like my safety net. And, um, it sounds nice, but it actually delayed my progress because Mm -hmm. it was taking like I would get emails like randomly and then they needed my help right then. Mm. And it's a uh, different time zones. And so it was like, I was getting paid like for 20 hours a month, maybe like 500 bucks, yeah. 30 hours a month probably. Um, but it was actually taking up a lot more of that time because I had to do like quick little things in the middle of the night or, you know what I mean? So my brain energy wasn't there. Uh, and then someone finally was like, just, take the dive and just ditch that. And so, mm-hmm. my growth was really slow in the beginning because uh, on my mind, I always had like this other client who was needy mm-hmm. and whatnot. And paying the bills in a sense. And paying the bills. And I was like, oh, this is like I, I believed in myself but not enough to make the jump, right? Mm-hmm. So, I was like, okay, between both of these, I'm making like 1500 a month. And then I justified it in my head like, oh, no, I mean like this is pretty good little side cash. Um, and then, you know, um, I finally got pushed to you make the cut. And it was actually Josh Stanton, uh, who you know. Yeah, yeah, he's like, just once you do it, I swear you're going to double your business. And the the month I quit it, which was like a few months after I met you, mm-hmm. uh, I started doubling revenue by, by the month almost for a couple – for a little bit. Like every month or two, I double. Nice. And so, I was like immediate, you could see. And it was like all my energy was going into one thing. And mm-hmm. I mean, that goes to- – all entrepreneurs talk about focus and even today i struggle with focus and we were just talking about some stuff that you got distracted on in your uh co-working business mm-hmm. that if you go back you wouldn't do it but at the time it's a shiny object and yeah. uh, that was just another case of you know if you believe in yourself just go all in mm-hmm. uh, don't half-ass it and um it was really hard for me like mentally to let that go because that was my identity kind of too it was yeah. like yeah, uh, you know, I'm a I'm an accountant. Uh I'm not, you know. So it was like this identity crisis slash like what if my site tanks? I don't know what to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. Scary. Uh, it
1: can be definitely scary.
2: Yeah, so I mean that was a that was a pretty big moment in the business actually.
1: Did you always see a huge opportunity in the vertical and in this niche of uh, how would you classify it CPA education, CPA prep? Yeah. Did you always see a huge opportunity there or did it take kind of getting over that that initial hump? Uh, was there like ever an aha moment where you're like, wow, I can really scale this if I if I put all my focus and dig deep into it?
2: Um, that's kind of when I did when I stopped doing the accounting thing. Um, but then I started seeing results really quick. Um, but I remember when I got to like 10K in revenue a month and I was like, there's no way. I didn't think this was possible in this <laughs> year. And then I remember getting to 30K and I was like, this is insane. And, and then like, you know, obviously at that point I started building other websites too. It was, mm-hmm. You know, I... What I, what I learned in the CPA space after about a year, I doubled down and I built... I scaled it. So, I built a website for every major standardized exam in the US.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, GRE, GMAT, LSAT, MCAT. So, now we have about 20 websites and all the major standardized yeah. exams. Um, but... Uh, yeah, every time I hit that new like goal I had, that was like, that big like audacious goal mm-hmm. that I thought would be like, no way, that'd be awesome. But I said it anyways, and then I get there and said another one, and it just kept going. And now I realize it's like I was had a lot of self limiting beliefs. Yeah. Um, not only about the market, but my mindset was like, if I got there, then I'd really make it and then I'd be good. And then I get there and I'd be like, Okay, what's next? Right. It's like how big can I really take this?
1: Mm-hmm. Um Do you think that living in Bangkok created some of those limiting beliefs um i don't know if it created them they were there mm-hmm. beforehand
2: um it, i mean it, it's also like your crowd right mm-hmm. i wasn't hanging out with you know the sam marks of the world well, i slept on your couch a couple of nights <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean uh, most of the time um and there, there is a level of complacency in thailand mm-hmm. I, that's kind of why i wanted to leave there but it's um I wasn't, no one was pushing me to break out of that limiting belief. I didn't even know I had one, right? Um, and so, I mean, that goes back to reading books about even becoming aware, self-aware. Like, I have way more potential than this. I could really break through and, you know, uh, you know, I could do whatever I want. I could do, mm. and, and, um, yeah, so now I, I don't know. I feel like I'm. I could definitely be a billionaire in this world, and if I'm not, I'm going to be pretty disappointed. And I put that on the public just now, so there you go. It's going to happen.
1: All right, we'll, we'll rewind in time. I mean, I won't be disappointed, but I mean, I, I, I don't know. So one of the, mo- the most valuable things that I ever listened to growing up was Ted Turner's book, which is "Call Me Ted," and I, I never hear anyone talk about that. Do you listen to it? Oh, I love. That's one of my favorite. Oh, uh, good. Autobiography slash autobiography, and I love it because.
2: The first half of each chapter is his version. He's like, Well, this is my version. Listen to my homie here, and he'll tell you his version. And then it's like people, his sister, his you know, his friends, they do like the autobi or the biography part in the second half, and it's like a little bit different story. You get two different perspectives on the same things that happen. Yeah. And he's just a, such an interesting guy. Such
1: an interesting guy. He's accomplished so much. I I, I just think he's I think he's a great guy. And his father actually committed suicide when he was in his 40s or something. And he, the message he left Ted was that if you do anything in life, make sure you set your goals so high that it's impossible to meet them in a lifetime. Because otherwise, you get to m- my stage where basically his father had accomplished everything they ever set out to do and then was in his mid-40s and had nothing else that he wanted to accomplish and got severely depressed. And I just know that was like a great way to live life. You know you only have one life set your goal so high just always be going after something that pushes you even if you're 80 or 90 like do something that challenges you each day that, that you might not ever get to but it's it's great to have that ahead yeah. of you right i mean that's a really positive take on on the thing
2: i i totally agree i also wonder why you know he was a multimillionaire and he got to some huge revenue number that mm. he thought he'd never get to and then he got depressed when he got there but you can make new goals yeah you like, can. so yeah, like as soon right. as you hit it set that another big one yeah um you know, I'm sure there's some stuff going on behind the scenes. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great
1: way to take away from that. So you had an awesome scaling experience when you were in, in Southeast Asia and you were able to get from a thousand to almost 10,000. Were you still there or you, had you already moved back?
2: Oh, no, I was definitely in Asia. Um, yeah, I mean, I was there, I lived there for two and a half years. Yeah. Did about a year in Bangkok, year and a half in Chiang Mai. Um, yeah, I mean, I would never live in Bangkok again. It's, it was such a, it was too stressful. It's crazy. Chiang Mai yeah. was much more relaxed in yeah. my style. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it took about a year and I was, I was making
1: more than my accounting job after a year mm-hmm. in Thailand working on the biz. And were you able to achieve that scale because of getting additional offers that you were able to push? No, I, I, I mean, what, where it really took off for me was like,
2: I knew I needed to get traffic. I didn't have money to buy traffic. So, mm-hmm this whole SEO thing was so mysterious Mm -hmm. and everyone was this guru trying to like spout the truth. And, um, I just, I was just tired of like reading conflicting information. I was like, well, who are these people? Like, like, you know, I'm going to go out and do it. So I did, Mm -hmm. I started doing all these case studies. Uh, so I'd set up like a, um, a a control variable on one website. I set up an identical website, brand new. Um, and that's where I do the testing. And so I would do all this, you know, mm-hmm. interesting, creative, linking type stuff, black hat, gray hat, white hat, everything. Right. I tested everything. Is a link more valuable in the footer versus the body text of the page? Mm-hmm. Is it more valuable in the menu versus the sidebar? Uh, and we, ha- you, as long as you have a control variable, you can, you can see the differences in a data, in it mm-hmm. within the data. So it's very cut and dry. And so, I started doing that and I became pretty obsessed with that. So, I always have like yeah. five going on at the same time. Um But you really get to see what works and you realize everyone – there's a lot of people that are really full of shit out there. And they're like, Talking that doesn't work. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, PBNs were great for a while and now they're not working so well. But, you know, we have other methods now because – you know, that was just like the jump starter. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, yeah, it was really interesting. Everyone's got this like ego about SEO. and You got to do it this way or SEO is dead. And it's like, well, have you tested it? Have you done it yourself? No. Well, you're just taking someone else's advice that they sold you probably.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and it, it's a, it's an interesting market. And if you can find somebody good at it that, that they can really open your mind. And yeah, I, I, there's some good people that I end up doing a mastermind with in mm-hmm. Chiang Mai. Uh, that we talk about different strategies and we go test them and then come back the next Monday and talk about them. So
1: that was really helpful too. Do do you think that there's great people out there that are selling SEO services or do you think that the people that are really good at SEO are just doing it for their own businesses? Um, No, I I have some friends that have agencies that are really good. Mm -hmm. uh, But it's all white
2: hat at that level, maybe a little gray hat. Whereas... It's it, you find was like the more black hat, which I, I mean, I don't even like the name of the black hat. It's all gaming the system. Right. It's a giant video game, yeah. but you make money at it. That's the way I see it.
1: Yeah, it's you versus Google.
2: Yeah, it's you versus Google. And they're always changing their rules, but you can just change your, tra- your tactics. Mm-hmm. Um, and it works really good when you're just like on your own or a small team. Uh, now it's, you know... We don't do that stuff because it's not scalable. It's stressful. It's, you know, I got overhead and you know, Penguin so like, update came yeah, out. And yeah. Yeah. Penguin's going to put me into a cycle of depression for three Penguin's days. going to put me in a coma. Yeah. Um, so I'm really happy to move off of that. Yeah. But in the beginning, it's, it's the wild, wild west in the internet. It's Sick. like, there's no actual laws. It's, uh, it's all like you shouldn't do this, but what Google actually tells you to do, mm-hmm. if you actually test it, a lot of times it, Works against you, so it's in their best interest to tell you, you know, what you have a faster website, we'll rank you higher. Mm -hmm. Have great content, we'll rank you higher. That's what, of course, they want that, right? Um, But if you test all this stuff, you find some
1: really interesting data behind it, and I know that's. Like that skill set that you learned with SEO, that's something that will stick with you for life. You always need to know if you're doing anything on the web, you should know something about SEO. And because of everything that you learned how to analyze and collect data and test and split test, just because you might not be focusing solely, mostly on, on SEO now, all that will be applied to. The next stage of your business. Oh, yeah. So now we're doing paid traffic and Mm -hmm. it's the same data analysis that we're doing off of that. It's like, what's the
2: click through rate? What's the conversion rate? What's the average, you know, commission per sale? We're looking at all the same metrics, except now we just have a, an expense cost to deduct from the the revenue. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's the same exact thing. So
1: it's totally transferable. Nice. So now you're at a stage where I'm speaking now as in the past, you're at a stage where you're making more money than most people I know. $10,000 $10,000 a month. A lot of that, most of that was profit. I know affiliate marketing is yeah, there's a lot no, of ways. I was a one man. Right? <laughs> so there was no <laughs> cost. What was the, uh, what was the decision to move back to the U.S. where you knew your costs were going to balloon up? And, you know, what, how did, how did that come about?
2: Right. So, I mean, I think when I left, I was doing like 30, 30, 40 K a month. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was, that scaled quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, um, but then I, I realized at that point, like, it's really hard to grow overseas when you, like, I kept growing and growing and growing. And then I hit kind of a wall and it was really obvious. And I couldn't hire, uh, you know, I had a bunch of contractors on Upwork and it's, but then it became my full-time job to manage them and I couldn't work on the biz. Mm-hmm. And it just became like more headache to try to grow 10% than it used to be to grow 200%. Yeah. Uh, So definitely wanted to move back here, get an office, hire a bunch of internal employees that were really smart, really creative, that could bring ideas to me so I could still focus on, you know, building the business. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they would be, you know, it's a lot more expensive here in the U.S., but I would definitely not go
1: back, like to get to the next level. I mean, for me, at least, this has been a total game changer. So what do you think drives you? Because I think the whole digital nomad scene and, and a lot of... There's, there's new entrepreneurs being created every single day because of the internet. It's never been easier to be an entrepreneur and to start a business or start a revenue stream. And I think it's awesome when people create something and and kind of cap it in a sense. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It does. It never was appealing to me and it's obviously not appealing to you. What do you think made you want to continue pushing along? Because we just talked about like three levels, $1,000, which I know a lot of people living in Southeast Asia are off $1,000 really happy to $10,000 to $30,000 a month to like, at that point you're making incredible money. I mean, more money than really most people make, um, what is, what was it that said, Hey, I want to go push this further and, and, and down the road and try to grow, grow, grow instead of just saying, dude, let's just keep it like this and go, you know, go live a life. Right.
2: Right. I, I, yeah. I mean, there's a couple of components to that question. And one is like happiness. For me, everyone's got a different definition of what makes them happy. And some people want to just get by on um, a few thousand and kind of. You know, kind of just coast by and balling it, they're balling it, balling it up in Chiang Mai, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but any part, any other part of the world, it's like kind of, okay, well now what? I don't know. For me too, it's like, it's never been a question. It's like, that's what makes me happy. Yeah. is like always seeing how, how much farther I can grow and how much more I can build. And that's the fun for me when I wake up is like figuring out all these problems, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, doing things right now. I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing, but, uh, it's fun figuring it out. And I've done it for multiple businesses before that work. So I, you know, there's some sort of template to follow or, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. That's what drives me. Uh, I think a lot of people, and it's totally, people are happy with different things, but yeah, I, I don't hang out with those people because I don't have anything in common with them.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's really cool what you've, you've been doing. And I think the most, the, the part that I think is most relevant to this podcast and, and what I think is the most inspiring is that you, you went into a small niche and you achieved excellence really by most standards. But then instead of saying, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to stop here and, you know, Basically, retire on my passive income. You decided to reinvest it in yourself and to, and really to take more risks where a lot of people would never take that next risk. You decided, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go up in the vertical and I'm going to take more risks and I'm going to reinvest a lot of my earnings into team and office and, and, you know, continuing to build. And I think that's super cool. And what was the next stage in the business from affiliate? You kind of hit a wall, you said, where like you, you capped out as an affiliate and what you could do. What became the next level? Um, so, the second
2: business came out of like scratch your own itch and mm-hmm. it was Crush Offers. Uh, and it's a, an affiliate network. So, there was all these littler companies that had products that... Um, they didn't have an affiliate program, but I knew they were good products and I could se- I could sell a lot of them if I could just get them to like sign up with an affiliate program. But... Um, I used to have people come to me and they'd say, I want an affiliate program, I want to be on your site. I know you're getting a lot of traffic, you're ranking mm-hmm. number one. Uh how do I do it? And I'd refer them to like share sell, link connector, yeah, commission junction. Um, and then they'd always come back with the same thing and it was they're you know three thousand, five thousand dollars just to join before I see any results. I'm a small company, we're growing. I I, I don't even know what affiliate marketing is, I don't trust it. And yeah. So I, I basically created an affiliate network where I was free to join, performance-based only. Uh, and I you know I'd charge a premium on the commissions mm-hmm. uh, because they had nothing to lose I'd send them a bunch of traffic if it worked great we both make money if it didn't they got a bunch of free traffic mm-hmm. um, and so it was a really easy sales proposition when you're ranking high in Google because yeah. people are actually contacting me Um so like that allowed me to h- another revenue stream right Um I could, I, all of a sudden, I could start working with people that previously I couldn't work with. Um, and then another part of it was I wanted to tap into my – like hedge my risk with my competitors. Right. So, I ended up signing up, you know, CPA exam companies on my network that – I knew my competitors wanted to promote, there was just never a way. So when I added them to my network, they were basically, they joined the network too and were promoting their products and I would make 20% of the sales, the network transaction fee. Mm -hmm. So now it was actually like double dipping as I was getting, and it was a totally separate company, um, but I was able to, you know, have double revenue because I was able to get some of my competitors revenue for their sales now. Right. So how was that? Was that experience...
1: A pretty easy thing to, to
2: oh, set up. Oh hell no! That was that was one of the most stressful times ever because I was I didn't know a lot of code, heavy code back uh-huh. then. And there's a lot of coding that goes involved with link tracking oh, and so you're, attribution. You're building this yourself. No. So, I mean, I licensed the, the software and mm. it's from one of the biggest companies out there, mm. Cake. And they do click booths and there's a platform for it, but it's so customizable. Uh. And then to set up the tracking links on their website and our website and make sure all the data is pulling through okay mm-hmm. and that the pixels are firing. I mean, it was way more technical than I've ever had. It really challenged me. Mm. Um and I, I mean, I lost a lot of money. I think because I, I wish if I would, if I could go back, I would have hired a consultant or an expert to basically train me every a couple
1: yeah. hours each day. Uh, but I mean, that's part of the learning process. So, man, this uh, a lot of the listeners don't know, but we so we've traveled quite a bit together, and we that's why this this story is really interesting to recap because I've have been along a lot of kind of these milestones alongside of you. So you we suggested were... to start an affiliate network, so. Well, that's an easy one. (laughs) But here's the thing. You know, there's a zillion affiliates out there. They're living a nice life and they're making a nice living. But there's – and they could all do that, right? But it's, it's of course, ideas are abundant and it's the execution, right? Like you went out and created this. And I remember when we were in – so, South Africa, I remember we were like playing golf, going to vineyards. And your business at that point, had scaled to like $500 a day. And like, you were excited and I was excited. I was like, this is awesome. And then, um, and then I don't know how long ago, maybe a year later, we were in, uh, Croatia. And we ran an Airbnb in Croatia, and I think that that was the point you decided to go forward with the affiliate network. And yeah, I remember it was like whatever it was. It was either really, really late at night or early, early in the morning, and you were sitting there making phone calls, like, "Hey, this is Bryce, and this is for, I'm with Crush Offers, and we have this, this, and this." And I'm like, "This is just great to watch the whole <laughs> thing evolve and go take that next step." And it was it was really cool, and like it's. Every single time I've met you up over the years and called up, it's like it's gotten to that next level. So what after you decided to move into the affiliate network, was that did that bring a lot of scale to the business or was your your growth still coming from the 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 direct affiliate stuff you're doing? The majority
2: was was the direct affiliate. It added a nice bump in revenue, nothing super significant, but it was um I don't know, it gave us an edge too. It was like now we could offer something new to like companies that could we couldn't previously work with, um, on all 20 of our affiliate sites. So mm-hmm. now we can reach out to GRE companies and start that relationship and say, Hey, you got a great product. Um, I know I could sell the shit out of it. Um, uh, sign up for my network and, you know, um, you know, we can work together on my affiliate website, but also, you know, they're signing up for the, you know, mm-hmm. the other business, which is the affiliate network. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, across 20 different industries, it, all of a sudden I had, I was able to like reach out and connect with a lot more people. Uh, rather than just people who had already known about affiliate marketing.
1: What was the highest revenue per month you got to between the network and your direct affiliate stuff? Um, When we were in Croatia... Or no, was after, well, I would assume it would have been after that sometime between that and now or now. Yeah.
2: I mean, um, 265,000 in <sighs> one month. Oh my God. That's
1: insane.
0: Yeah.
2: I just, uh, was that, well, befo- mean, was now that now before? Now I'm on something new. So yeah. Now we're doing product development, which is, I mean, that number is going to be small. I, f- I hope in a couple of months or in a, uh, in a year from now. Yeah. Um, meaning like that side
1: of the business.
2: Yeah, that side of the business and that total number. I, I don't know. I don't, numbers after a certain point. I remember when we were in South Africa and you, uh, I don't know if you just sold your company mm-hmm. for 90 million or whatever the hell it was, or if it, you were about to and you knew it was lined up, but, um, you always like, you always got to have that lottery ticket in your pocket. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? I was like, I was making 500 bucks a day. I'm living the dream, blowing money, probably more than I should. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, I mean, you're making enough to live a really, really great life anywhere in the world. But, like, how, like, you got to have that lottery ticket where you can potentially cash out 20, 30, 100 million. Like, you got to have something in your back pocket. And, like, um now I totally get that. It's like after a certain point, money is just, uh, you know, it's just there. Like, I don't live for the money. I, I, I love working. I love building stuff. And, um, so now I feel like I definitely
1: got a lottery ticket in my pocket. So for any of the listeners out there, I mean, you basically just heard how you go from zero to a thousand to ten thousand to thirty thousand to two hundred and sixty thousand a month. I mean, can you imagine that type of money? I know when I was doing affiliate stuff in 2008, we capped out at about, I want to say sixty thousand a month. That was just like incredible amounts of money. I was good, like a young and retarded and I was going out to a club three nights a week and getting sky vodka and absolute and like, but you've, I think you've handled this, like your success very well. Um, I think you've made really smart professional decisions. Like it's so cool to just continue to, to meet up with you and like watch, watch the progress and how you keep going into these new products. And now, so now you're going from network into. Your own type of product, right?
2: Yeah, so now we, we. I mean, I've gotten so much feedback from students over the years, and I've seen it's like the the, the industry is ripe for dis- disruption. And you've heard that before in other industries, but it's so true for education. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone knows education, but even within a subcategory, which is test prep, um, it's um, everything's done because that's the way it's always been done. Yeah. And there's three public companies that run everything. There's DeVry, and Becker, and Kaplan, and Wiley. And some of them have good products, and they're decent, but they haven't changed or evolved for 30 years, or like nothing that's been like drastic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what we're going to be doing and what's fucking badass, and yeah. I'm stoked about is we're gonna be doing VR applications where you're actually engaging with these videos. It's going to feel like a video game, nice. but you're learning shit that's otherwise been boring for years mm-hmm. to learn. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's going to be version five way down the road. We're coming out with version one, hopefully in a few months, but I mean, I've got it mapped out in my brain and like, so now I'm just really excited to start executing and start building it and hiring people. Well, now we have capital to build it. Um, so it's just a matter of time and, cool. and there's there's no one else young and like in the test prep space that's innovating, yes. And yes. so I feel like it's, it's, it's a, it's a home run as long as I just keep at it. And it's, yeah. uh, it's exciting because accounting is like, I got, I had one good accounting instructor and he made me want to be an accountant because he made it interesting and fun and relatable in real life. Maybe and, oversold accounting. <laughs> no, and it's not, it's not. But I mean, he made it that way. And so I meet people who are lawyers and be like, yeah, lo- legal, you know, the law is so fun because this. If you have an impactful teacher, they make you excited to do that. And so if you can use gamification and uh, micro learning and, you know, all this other stuff that we're, we're going to be doing, it's, it makes learning fun again, which is what I think 90% of the people, 95% of the people, they, they hate learning. Learning is like the F word to them. They're yeah. like, learning, fuck. And it's hard. It's difficult. Mm-hmm. But that's like, it, that's because they have this connotation that it's, it's, you, there's a boring instructor in front. He's speaking with a monotone voice. Yeah. He's, you know, he, no one knows what he's talking about. He's not answering questions or asking, like engaging his students. And, uh, that's going to change. And so I'm, I'm very hoping cool. to be at the forefront
1: of that. Very cool. I just, I just literally before I came here, I was reading an article. It's kind of a recap of South by Southwest in Austin. And it was a huge, huge, uh, part of the conference ended up being VR and some guy had gone and done all the different VR and it was kind of unimpressed by a lot of the applications uh, that were kind of putting you in this type of simulation. But what he was really impressed by was anything that was like real reality, not like you're in a cartoon, but you're in a lecture, right? Or you're in an environment across the world and uh, he was kind of saying like yeah, this could transform education at colleges like why do you need to actually go live on a campus and walk the class and, and see an instructor you can put this on and look 360 degrees around the classroom and be right right there right and yeah I I mean what you just said about what you gathered doing I mean it seems like there would be infinite applications and you could make this stuff really cool and in in a VR sense right yeah I mean I've reviewed
2: Probably a 100 different courses throughout all the different test prep spaces over the years. And I, I've sat through the software and watched the tutorials and the videos. And there's not... I mean, maybe there's one or two that are, are do a decent job at it. Mm-hmm. But 99% of them, like, there's no enthusiasm. There's no... Why are you learning this? Well, this is why it's important and how you can use it in the real world to make money mm-hmm. and to grow, like, uh, you know, to get promoted. Or nobody talks about, like, why are you even doing this in the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. It's like... Um, I think that's a really big fail on a lot of people because like CPA exam is there's a lot of study material options and they're very similar out yeah. there. If you study consistently and work your butt off on any of them, you're going to get your CPA license. Yeah. So it's the mindset. So that's the other part of what we're going to be teaching is it's, it's not just about the materials and, you know, having interactive games and whatnot It's about teaching people the mindset, what it takes mm-hmm. and the consistency and setting up a plan and, and actually executing on that plan. Nobody else is doing this and it's, it's just dumbfounding and that's kind of what I've created on my website. It was like little plans and ways to execute uh, to get your CPA license. Like I barely had a high enough GPA to get my accounting degree, but I passed all four of the CPA exams on the first try in like a much shorter time than most people. Yeah. And it's it's not because I'm good at accounting. I'm, I think I'm very mediocre. Uh, but it's, you know, I had a plan and I executed it on it and I kept improving that plan. And so taking that to the masses and offering a course that does that for them or
1: teaches them how to do that is going to be something unique and different that I'm excited about. So where you're at now and everything that you've been through building over the last, I don't know, six, seven years, really since you probably since you quit your job. Five years ago, just uh, five years ago this month. Dang. Yeah. That went quick. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm excited to see in five years when we, we meet again. And here, you look like... much more like a stud today. Back when I met you at DCBKK, I think we were both wearing, you know, you had glasses on and a baggy shirt and like I was wearing like, like cargo shorts. Right. And... <laughs> Big Nike socks with Tivas. Yeah. No offense. It's just really terrible yeah. Looking. Yeah. We all get through those phases. So <laughs> kind of looking back, I just want to pick your bearing quickly, um, on some of the, the more important transitions and things that have kind of led to your success. And one of the questions is, Split testing. Do you do split testing? And if so, at what level and how important is it?
2: Yeah. I mean, especially I never really got into it a lot. Um, because, or like when I, I didn't get into it a lot. Um, when I was a one man show, because I had so many other things going on. But, um, recently, I mean, or over the last year, I should say, as I've hired a lot more staff, Mm -hmm. um, and I specifically hired for that skill set. We've been able to take, you know, conversion rates on our sites from an average of like six percent to seven and a half or eight percent. And if you think of six percent to eight percent, um, that's a huge jump. I mean, that's a thirty-three percent jump in revenue. Yeah. So I mean, wow. that's that's just one of the big ways we've been able to grow. Um, and we use heat maps so we can actually see where people are clicking, where they're hovering. We can actually watch a recorded session of people. Uh, anybody that comes to our site, which is kind of creepy. Wow. And then if they like stop at a certain spot, we can have a chat pop box pop up and say. Say, hey, I noticed that you were looking at this page. Can I answer any questions? And now we're automating that. So, we're creating a logic within the chat boxes mm-hmm. that automatically pops up at a certain point if they behave a certain way. Dude, that's next level. This is next level. This is blowing my mind. And, you know, I have some awesome employees who are super smart, smarter, much smarter than me in these aspects. And so, I'm learning from them. And I think that's that's what it's all about. It's, oh. I noticed great CEOs that are able to grow huge companies always have people smarter than them. Yeah teaching them basically
1: and, and I've, I've done that on a very small level and I have already seen a huge benefit. What do you think looking back I and mean, you've, you've reinvested and gotten to these next levels in your personal growth and the company growth. What, were there any points where you're like, I'm done. I finish this or, or maybe stay at this level. Was there any points that were like really difficult struggles to get through? Yeah. About a year and a half
2: ago is, uh, I was, I didn't know which direction to take because I knew I was just me and I had a couple, I mean, I had contractors, obviously, but they weren't full time employees or anything. And I was like, I want to start a new company. Uh, I wanted like, I, I can't expand with my current company without employees. So I need to do, I need to make a move. And I got caught, I got caught in limbo. Mm-hmm uh for a while, just not I didn't know what to do. And it, it was a good time to like assess what's going on and it's the first time in a long time where revenues actually started going down month over month for mm-hmm. three or four months. Not substantially, but you know, the if you don't put in work, it also things go away. And that's why all these people I feel like that are complacent making a few thousand dollars a month, like that think it's gonna last forever. It's like if you don't put in the work today, like three months from now, you could be back to the shitty job that you hate, living a shitty life that you don't want to be in, and like you mm-hmm. lost control. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think it also motivates me is like keep putting in the work and the time because who knows what like, tomorrow, especially right. SEO and SEM, all this stuff is evolving so quickly now. The algorithms are so fast; it's they're changing things weekly now instead of like biannually. And uh, yeah, I mean, if if you're not willing to put in the work, someone else is going to
1: be willing to and they're going to put you out of business. Yeah, I think it's that is the best age bracket for people to do. Any type of affiliate stuff or SEO is like early to mid twenties because it can be totally relentless and super stressful. And you got to be able to like just wake up the next day and be willing to start totally from scratch.
2: Oh yeah. It's, a, it's a total. It's, it screws with your mind. I, I had two
1: times where.
2: I lost like 40% of my revenue overnight with an SEO update with the panda or Google yeah. penguin or whatever it was. <laughs> one of those animals. Um, there was one time where it actually increased a lot, which was awesome. But um yeah, just trying to keep a stable mindset. I played poker a lot when I was in college and after. So, I was able to handle the swings a yeah. little bit better, but... A little bit better is not enough. Like it's still super stressful. My hair is starting
1: to fall out. Ah, it's looking good. Same, <laughs> same as when I met you, man. Mine's gone a little bit more though. Yeah, it's going back.
2: It's going back.
1: So what are, the, what are the final like aspirations that you have either within this business or, or outside? Do you see the crush empire kind of continuing to grow and being part of that for a while or are there other? things that you really want to do at some point? Oh, there's so many things I want to do, but I, I think, um, staying focused is definitely a priority.
2: Uh, crush Empire's it's already starting to branch off and things are going to break off into their own separate company. Mm-hmm. Once, uh, you know, the sales get there. And, um, you know, I'm really interested in online education because I think it just because like, I mean, even my college experience, my, the most valuable things I got out of it were relationships and
0: personal yeah. skills
2: and like how to like behave on your own. Right. But, I don't think you need to go to college for that necessarily. There's other like social groups you can be involved with. And I feel like in 10 years from now, like university is going to be, unless you're going to like a top tier university, it's going to be like a sucker play. Yeah. Um, You look at university of Phoenix and DeVry and all these paid colleges and these people can't get degrees. Mm-hmm. And even like I've interviewed a lot of people over the last year and um people with not everybody, obviously, but a lot of times I'll ask very specific questions and it's, I, I don't know. I feel like it's, they pay $50,000 and they get $5,000 worth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's going to be, there's a wide opening for, I don't know. I love learning. So I want to be able to make it fun no matter what you're learning for everybody else.
1: Very interesting. Oh man. Just kind of got my mind spinning again on like the VR component of learning. Well, Think about it. Like, so like Tony Hawk, that was a big game when I was young. Like we would just play it for
2: 10 hours a night and get like four hours of sleep and then go to class. Uh, what if that game was that fun, and you're making points, but those points you could turn in for something physical. You could actually redeem those points for a physical product. So that's something else we're working on. It's where it's gamification, but you can actually buy stuff with yeah. like it. Uh, what if that whole time you're actually learning a lot of valuable skills that you can turn into building a business or investing your money and finance or, yeah. you know, why isn't, I never learned anything about money in college or high school or anywhere. And it's like, what if you could teach that in a very fun way and also reward the people for doing it? Like, mm-hmm. uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity.
1: Have you read, read the book outliers? Yeah. Love that book. Love that book. So one of the big pickups from that book was just like all these studs, these billionaires around the world that have totally changed. Industry, it's like, um, name a couple from that book. Who's the Microsoft guy? Mine's going Bill Bill Gates. So a lot of these guys, Steve Jobs, they were just, you know, obviously super, super smart guys, but they were in the right place at the right time with the right access to equipment and technology. And the right amount of time, you know? Right. And that's kind of how I see like VR, right? Well, it's, it's sort of how I, I see kind of affiliate stuff and the internet stuff 10 years ago, kind of when you and I were, were starting to think about it. Yeah. And it's sort of how I see VR now is like if you have the person in the right right place, right time with the right amount of resources and, and access to the technology, like... Someone's going to turn that thing and it's going to go oh, boom and it's going to change the world. Absolutely. I mean, have you read the book Ready Player One? No. I've go, on the list. go read it.
2: Yeah. You, you won't be able to put it down. It's okay. all about this and it's scary how accurate this future could be. Um, Maybe I, I like to focus on the positive side of it, but there's Back, also yeah. potential negatives. But it's an amazing book. Um, But the, the other thing I, I, I'm consciously thinking about is because for the last five years, I've been involved in every aspect of online marketing. Mm-hmm. What about VR marketing? When you're in this virtual simulation, you're walking down the street and, you know, you're driving your, you know, your, your Ferrari. Ferraris, that's paid placement, right? Mm-hmm. When you're driving down the street and you're like, you're looking super cool in your VR application or whatever it is. When you look to the side, there's going to be billboards. Mm-hmm. There's going to be ads throughout the VR. That's a whole new untapped market, right? Mm-hmm. So. I mean, that's a whole nother opportunity. And I, I mean, obviously I'm getting off track here. Focus, Bryce. Focus. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, it's it's incredible stuff. But and like, if saying, I lost everything today, mm-hmm. I would double down on, I would just spend 16 hours a day learning VR development, technology
1: applications. Absolutely. I'm on, I'm on board with that. I love it. What advice do you have? There's so many people out there that were like you 10 years ago, had a, a good education, good job. Maybe it wasn't right for them. There's this whole world of internet. There's FBA. There's all this, all these opportunities online. Everything seems saturated. People are scared to leave, you know, their paycheck. What would you give it? What would be your basic advice be for someone out there that's aspiring to do these things but hasn't taken that first step yet?
2: I would say just, in, just embrace life and go after it, right? I think a, a fear is a self-limiting beliefs is a huge thing for everybody, and so we we tell ourselves these stories all day long. Is I'm not this or I'm not that. I used to tell myself I'm not a creative person, and then I realized like Oh, I'm building websites and I'm doing lots of cool stuff. Oh, I am. I just was told that at a young age or something. Mm-hmm. And I think people are just stuck with so many limiting beliefs because, I mean, even in the education system it is now, it's, that's, it's how it's framed. It's, yeah. it's not to, it, you know, and so I, I would say just take action. Go do something. Um, whatever interests you. Um, just double down on that and put in time and effort. And I don't
1: know. I think it's great advice. So I can crush it in life. Just crush it, man. <laughs> Last question. So you're investing a hundred percent. It seems like back into yourself, back into the business, continue to level up in a sense. Is there any other type of investing that you want to do in the future? Is that even is in, even interest you or do you just want to just continue to, to run your own business? And like,
2: I, I would love that?
1: to. And so that's why I'm going to be hitting you up more and more over the years mm-hmm.
2: asking you about. I just saw your chart with your re investments and your stocks and your different diversified portfolio. Doesn't and, mean it's going well, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but you got like twelve different asset categories, and that's awesome. And I, that's that's called wealth building, right? So right now, I'm in like just like company and product development. You're in ten. You're in ten x mode, basically. Yeah, so I x mean, mode. any dollar I put into the company, I feel like is going to come out a hundred dollars. And, you know, yeah. within the next 5, 10 years, whereas I'm not going to find that return anywhere else. So, once that return isn't so great or at least in my convoluted mind where mm-hmm. I've convinced myself that's how much it's going to turn out to be, um, then I'm definitely – and it's also a full-time job learning this stuff. So, yeah. you've dug into this for the last two years. Every time I see you, you're reading investment books and mm-hmm. talking to investment people on the podcast. And, I mean, you know better than than me, obviously, how much – there's so much information. and so much to learn out there about this stuff that yeah. – um, I definitely want to be ready to have some time to, I mean, you can't just throw your money around where people tell you. You right. definitely do diligence. So I'm looking forward to that day. I don't think
1: it's going to be anytime soon, though. Uh, maybe like five years. We'll see. I like it. Well, rule number one, invest in yourself. I think nobody has done it better than you, Bryce. So congratulations, my man. Ah, Excited you. to, uh, to meet up along the next leg of the journey and see where you guys go. Love the new office and the team. We had a nice recreation today playing, what was it, paper planes. Uh, paper, paper airplane distance contest. It's a little uh, energizer activity. Yes. Yeah, so the winner won a $5 coupon to a coffee shop next door. And I thought I would try to game the system and roll up my paper airplane into a ball and throw it. And it was a really embarrassing throw. It only went about 10 feet. You got second. So. <laughs> well, a lot of the airplanes didn't go more than 2 feet, to be, yeah. to be fair. But no, it's awesome, man. Thanks uh, for having me over and sharing the story. Very inspiring. I'd love to see how you really took a practical start and scaled it and continue to scale it by reinvesting yourself. So congratulations and uh, look forward to catching up again soon.
0: Just getting started, buddy. Man, Sam, I had no idea how... Like how much Bryce is crushing life right now and how he got there. It's insane.
1: (laughs) He's awesome. I'm so glad that we had him on and really glad to share that story. I mean, dude, 250,000 a month as an affiliate. That is, that's insane. I mean, that is, that is definitely complacent zone. How many people do we know that would just, you're making 250,000 a month as an affiliate, would just put the feet up on the table. Pop some champagne, call it a day. But he just, I mean, he he could have retired already, but he just keeps going for it and leveling up. I love it.
0: You know, what's really cool is he is the first person I know in person that is going for the billion dollar run and I think could actually make it. So that's like, to me, that's so inspiring.
1: He's a really smart guy. And the stuff, when I, I had the opportunity to hang out in the office for the day, the stuff that they're talking about in there is really smart stuff. I mean, it's it's next level stuff. Everyone that's working for that company has got an awesome opportunity, the stuff that they're learning and building. And it's pretty inspiring to be around that stuff. Like you said, we don't, you know, there's not that many people out there doing it and risking it all kind of month after month, just reinvesting completely in their self and the future opportunity. So it's it's cool to be, um, you know, it's cool to be a contact is and a good friend and to kind of watch that story develop.
0: Yeah, that, that's so cool that, you know, you traveled around with them uh, throughout Europe and, You know, you got to know him a lot better than I did. The first time I met Bryce was in Chiang Mai, and I got invited to his house through a friend. And I remember just thinking, because I was living in like a low budget studio apartment then, and you know, probably two hundred dollars a month or something. And he had a Thai penthouse. It had a freaking koi (laughs) pond inside his apartment.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: Have you been that to that one? I
1: have. Yeah, I forgot about that. Thank you for reminding.
0: And it was insane. And I thought, you know, I asked how much he was paying, and I think it was something like 1500 a month or something. And I thought that was insane at the time. I was thinking, that's, you know, seven times as much as a normal apartment chain might cost. Like, who would live there? Who would spend that money? But secretly, I was a bit envious, thinking, man, like, this guy must be crushing it, you know, to be able to afford that.
1: Now, that building is right across from the building that you and I stay in, Johnny, at the Siri. I remember that, yeah. And the funniest thing about it is, like, that building looks like, it looks like a teardown from the outside, right? And you go kind of up the up the elevator, around the hallway, and you go into Bryce's place, and it's it is so sick. I mean, it did actually have a cod pond in the in the apartment.
0: And you know what? You know, big shouts and and you know, thank you for to Bryce for sharing his story because I think a lot of people that see his success today, see him driving around in a nice sports car, seeing him, you know, just kind of like bossing it up. They might think, oh, he maybe he had it easy, or you know. Uh, He got lucky, whatever it was, but he really did work his ass off to get to where he is.
1: I slept in his four hundred dollar a month condo in Bangkok after DCBKK. I mean, it was it was a shoebox and it was not flattering at all. And I've had multiple so through some of the travels that I've done with him, I've had multiple experiences where you know it's two in the morning and everyone's going to sleep and he's up making calls. Or it's six a.m. and everyone's sleeping in late, and he's he's up making calls. So, you when you're around people like that, and they're they're really you know giving it their all like that, you just know that they're they're destined for success. And I think that's what Bryce has continued to do and and showed to people that uh, uh, have kind of watched him develop.
0: And was was this before you sold your company?
1: It was around the same time. Uh, so we met at DCBKK. I was probably that was probably. Fifteen months before we sold our company, before we ever knew we were going to sell our company, and he was he was kind of starting out, I guess, in in Bangkok, um, and just getting you know just getting rolling. But he always had the mindset, you know, you're hanging around him. He always had that mindset that he was going to get it done, and and uh, he's definitely one of the smarter people that I met at the conference, and you know, his, his success sense has definitely showed it.
0: I guess my question was, why were you sleeping on this guy's couch instead of just getting your own hotel <laughs> in Bangkok? <laughs>
1: You know, man, being on the road gets lonely. It's like nice to have company and stuff. Plus, I didn't know Bangkok at all. I and when I went to that conference, I didn't know anybody. Um, I didn't know Bangkok. You know, I just and I we we met and it was like Chris Gormley, a bunch of other people. We all like just you know kind of made a really quick bond because we were the expats over there. You know, taking risky moves and, and trying to build something special, and I think just like I ended up staying there a few times, just like passing, you know, passing through and stuff. It's it's nice just to network with people and have smart conversations when you're in Thailand because you don't always get to have them.
0: Yeah, it definitely makes sense, and I and I do think that one of the biggest benefits of going to conferences, whether it's pkk or the Nomad Summit or any other uh, entrepreneur conference, ninety percent of it is who you meet, and the sure. best part of that is you don't. Like your goal shouldn't be to meet people who are already making, you know, a two hundred fifty thousand dollars a month. If you are just starting out or you're growing your business, because first off, they're what they're going to be talking about is going to be over your head. Second, most likely you're going to be wasting their time. Third, just trying to keep up with their lifestyle, their spending habits might, you know, <laughs> you know, just make you broke when you should be bootstrapping. Yeah. The goal should be to meet people at your level that are hungry, that are hustling, that you know, actually go out to attend these conferences, want to. To you know, level themselves up and grow along with them, and that sounds like exactly what you did you know uh and and you and bryce,
1: yeah, and that was an awesome conference and I took away I would say five to ten amazing contacts that I'm still very good friends with today and have led to a lot of other contacts uh but you need to go into these like you said you got to go into these events with kind of a plan, and you might not want to sit through all the workshops you might might not want to hear all the speakers, but do what you got to do to meet the top people and hang out with them, even if that's just for drinks after after the event or doing a little side trip afterwards. I would say that yeah, I have to give Bryce so much credit because I mean, again, and he he's making money through a lot of our travels. I and mean, we went to South Africa, Bali, uh, we did yacht week in Greece together, and he's made you know many, many thousands of dollars a month. Uh, and he made the decision that says, okay, if I continue doing this traveling like this. I might not get my business to that next level. So he decided to go from doing these amazing travels and kind of living on the road to buckling down, moving to California, a very expensive place to live, a very, very expensive place to run a business, a lot of taxes. But that was his decision to reinvest in himself in the future opportunity. And most importantly, not most importantly, but very important for scaling a business is to be able to recruit and retain top talent, and that's that's something that's very hard to do in in places like Southeast Asia or South America, but in California, tons of good talent.
0: I can see why this interview was such a better fit for Invest Like a Boss than let's say Travel Like a Boss, where the goal is just to have a lifestyle business and continue just to live and travel, and that's kind of like where he Mm -hmm. was, and it doesn't mean that somebody can't start out that way like I did or like he did, but if I wanted to get to that next level. I should be doing something like Bryce and leveling up and investing not only in myself, but in the company and employees and infrastructure and move back to a place like San Diego, maybe Austin, you know, spend the hundred grand to set up a, you know, a proper office at some point, you know, spend a hundred grand on employee hired, you know, hiring one or two full-time employees. And instead of, I mean, I guess, you know, to be honest, when I was listening to the interview, I kept thinking in my mind, like, oh, I hope, you know, at the end, he... Talks about some things he's investing in, maybe in real estate or index funds or you know whatever it is, and I was a little bit surprised, um, you know, that he hadn't invested in anything yet. But when you when you think about it, it's because he's so laser focused on growing that business and the ROI from that business is better than any index fund or or you know any deal out there uh, in the investment world.
1: Yeah, I mean, imagine putting a hundred thousand dollars into you know building an office. And that's that's not including rent. That's just 100,000 going into decorations and ergonomic chairs and nice, you know, creating a nice environment. I mean, that is that's enough money for a lot of people to live off four years. So it's 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 a very much, you know, I just finished the book that you recommended, Johnny, 10x rule. Awesome book and that's all of stuff that we always talk about, you know, it, a lot of the investing, this the type of investing sometimes that we're talking about on this podcast, investing in peer-to-peer loans, alternative investments, stocks, bonds, a lot of times you, people are optimizing around 8%, right? But you're never going to get rich off 8%. I mean, maybe if you invest over 40 years and <laughs> continue to contribute and stuff, but it's not. it's not really realistic, but investing yourself always is. And- Bryce sees that he has a chance instead of taking that hundred thousand dollars and going living in four years off South in South America, invest it in a nice office, recruit top talent to be able to come and get the business to the next level and continue to level up. And I, I, I certainly hope he does.
0: Yeah. And, you know, this is great because it really kind of shows that investing like a boss or investing in yourself or investing in your financial future can come in so many different ways. And Building your, your own business really is one of the few ways to be able to, to get these crazy returns. Um, mm-hmm. it's still a gamble. I mean, you know, a lot of businesses don't work out. You know, a lot of times, you know, um, a business can run into hardships or fail, but it's to be able to get that, that lottery ticket. And, you know, as you guys mentioned in the episode, you guys have to take that risk sometimes. So if you guys listening, you know, have a nice nest egg and you can, Optimi- you know and your time is better used optimizing to get eight percent or higher, do that. But if you are especially if you're younger, if you're like in your twenties or early thirties and you, you're what you should be doing is you know is saving, you know, saving up while ha- you know building something on the side to maybe potentially get that big lottery ticket, go for that. John, I have to ask you
1: two parts as a follow up to this episode. One is how important is it to pick the right niche? Or to just go, or just to get started. And second part of that question is: you've seen so many people start up in affiliate, drop shipping, FBA style niches. How many of them are able to achieve enough success to support a minimal lifestyle?
0: So I think the the first part would be choosing. I, mean, I, I think choosing a niche is very important, but mm-hmm. I I really believe that hard work, and dedication is way. Like it trumps everything. Uh, you know, for mm-hmm. a- example, my buddy David Vu, uh, who spoke at the Nomad Summit this year, he chose the worst niches in the world, according to, you know, what most people would think. You know, he's, he's selling on platforms like eBay and like Udemy, which are these like kind of bad places to sell on low cost stuff, but he's making, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year on his business because he had that the hungry immigrant mentality, which he talked about, uh, at the summit and for, a lot of people they even if they find a good niche, if they don't implement it's not gonna it's never gonna do well. and this the store that I just sold with Larissa, that was a niche that tons of people failed in and just kind of left because they just couldn't make it work. And I actually remember. Mm-hmm. Anton, Anton, my mentor said he was biting his tongue when I told him what our niche was because he had <laughs> personally met like a few people who had failed in it and he didn't want to say anything because you never know if it's going to work or not. It's one of those things where I think if somebody is buying it, why not from you? And if you can't be the one to sell it to them, and that's, that's, you know, you're doing something wrong. Uh, there's always mm-hmm. a way to do it. Uh, You know, I'm I'm sure tons of people have failed in the uh, e-cigarettes business as well. So a lot of it really is finding something that people are going to buy, anyways. I think that's the most important part of finding a niche is don't you know don't pick something that nobody wants to buy, no matter how good your product or how good your marketing is. Find something that people are actually Mm -hmm. buying or actually willing to buy, and then work your ass off to start selling it.
1: Great, great advice and great perspective. And I I think one other major Takeaway from this episode that I have kind of seen firsthand with Bryce is that he doesn't allow himself to get into a position that is reliant on an external factor like SEO or one traffic channel or just being an affiliate. So his progression was basically be an affiliate. Once he's kind of mastered that niche as the affiliate, go ahead and create the affiliate network. So then instead of just being the affiliate, offering those. those those uh different affiliate offers out actually connect with those businesses and create the affiliate network so that you can offer those offers out to other affiliates, thus making money off other people's you know affiliate offers right and then third is once you've done that is to create the product and these are all difficult steps that that take a lot of planning a lot of work and and you know a lot of smarts but but more than anything it takes it takes guts and it takes risk and it takes reinvesting but now he's at the point where he's got the affiliate revenue he's got the affiliate network revenue now he's creating products and then now he's redundant so if you know if he loses seo in one thing he's got redundancies built into his revenue streams and that is a much much more robust business
0: and that is definitely the way to to really scale up and get to those next levels uh if that was just over everyone's head think of it as the starbucks model you know instead of them just operating a coffee shop they started growing their own beans then they started selling their beans Mm. to other coffee shops (laughs) then they started having a franchise model where they can open up you know stores literally around the world and if they had just stuck with competing trying to be the best coffee shop maybe they would have they wouldn't be where they are today but because they had the the business plan and the mindset to to level up mm. and become their own supplier of coffee beans become their own uh network you know of uh, you know and, and basically making money the, through competitors because the people that open starbucks franchises um it's or you know i mean any business it doesn't have to be starbucks but instead of playing and, and trying to fight your competitors why not get 20 percent of their profits by offering them what they need so yeah. amazing amazing story um you know big thanks to Bryce for for sharing that it's it's I love hearing what it takes and how to get there
1: yeah definitely if you guys like this episode shoot us an email let us know in the boss lounge we're happy to bring you more hustler stories I certainly mm-hmm. enjoy it and I think Johnny does as well
0: Definitely. And if you guys want to support the show, please, please, please go to the iTunes app and leave us a review of the podcast. Uh, this week, we have Zane L. from the United States that said, A podcast I wish I had 10 years ago, five stars. By far, this is one of my new favorite podcasts. I've been bringing, binging the episodes to catch up, and I'm two-thirds of the way through. Even though I don't have my own business like Johnny or a huge windfall like Sam, I'm super inspired by the stories and find tremendous value and knowledge they share with the guests that they have on the show. Looking forward to get more involved, involved in the Boss Lounge and meet other like-minded individuals. Thanks so much for your kind of approach. I'm sure it will help many in their journey to find financial independence and success.
1: Yeah, I was going to say it's great to hear. And, and we're all in this together in different levels. We're all either learning how to invest or learning how to create businesses or learning how to scale those businesses. And everyone's got different strengths and different weaknesses. And the more that we can collaborate and share information, the better we're all going to do.
0: Definitely love it. So if you guys want to join the, the Boss Lounge, find it on Facebook or go to investlikeaboss.com. Click on bonus and you'll get instructions there. And I want to give a big thank you to our sponsor for this week's podcast, Box. They... Are great for helping you clean up your inbox. Inbox zero is a, is a fantastic way to declutter your mind so you can focus on the more important things. If you want a $25 free credit and a two week trial, go to sandbox.com slash invest like a boss. Thanks everyone for listening and I'll see all of you next week. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Best Leg like of Boss podcast. Join our mailing list at bestlikeaboss.com to get exclusive access to our insider investment portfolios and our private members forum. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe
1: on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends and leave us a review in the iTunes store. It helps more than you know. See you guys next week.